Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. That's a little bit of a drive to Lampasas. And uh, but we are ready for this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke is where we're going to be looking this morning. The book or and also Matthew. We'll be looking at Matthew and Luke this morning. I'm glad to have my parents in the room this morning. Mom, Dad, you wave at everybody. There they are. Yeah. So thank you all for being here. And if you're a guest, you're special, too. So glad you're here. So I want to talk for a few moments about the hope of Christmas and really that the hope we have is for more than just Christmas. And so we're going to be reading Matthew in just a moment, look at some of the, the Christmas story and how it applies to hope. But let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, for your presence, for your work in the house, Lord. And I pray that it's not something that just stays here. I pray that, as even James says, that we just don't be hearers of your word, that we look at our, a reflection of ourselves and walk away and forget, Lord, but we would apply it. We would be doers, Lord. And I pray that our hearts would be good soil today, ready to receive your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. I'm reading out of the New Living this morning. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quality. I love verse 19, how it points out that Joseph was a righteous man. And I want to interject just this for a moment. It just kind of really just popped into my heart is that sometimes righteous people can get it wrong. That pause for effect. <laughs> Man, I'm hoping that lands. You know, I mean, not, I'm going to tell you, I, I mean, humanity, even as we strive and want to follow the Lord and the Holy Spirit, we don't always get it right. And I just want to encourage you um, to have grace, to have grace for those around you, have grace for yourself, because when you need the grace, you're going to want to have sowed in that grace. Amen, Pastor. Okay, we'll move on. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for she, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. Amen. Verse 22, and all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to it through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
I love this passage. I love all the passages when it comes to the, the birth of Jesus. And I, lo- I just love the Christmas season. This is my favorite time of year. I love the songs. I love the movies. I'm kind of behind on my Christmas movies, but um, it's been really busy. But uh, the next couple of weeks with the kids home, we have Chase and Shaley home, and we always love that. And we'll catch up on our our Christmas movies. I just love the whole feel, the whole season, but I completely understand that sometimes Christmas is a difficult time for many. And as, as it can be joyful for some, the holidays, it's very, it's a struggle for, for many others. And, uh, I, as I was, I, I heard this story and I was just thinking about, I, I get an email Every day. I don't know if you do this or know about this, but you can get an email from the United Postal Service telling you what mail's coming that day. Did you know you could do that? And so I get an email every single day that tells me what kind of mail I'm getting in the mail um, because I'm not one that likes surprises too much. I want to know in advance just about everything. And so I, I do look forward to that email. And, uh, but I read this story. It was, uh, it was done by CNN, but it was, by, uh, it was about a man by the name of Charles McKinley. And um, he uh, attempted something that really uh, shocked many. And I, I really wouldn't recommend to do this, but he decided that he was going to mail himself to his parents. Um, he lived like up northeast somewhere. His parents lived in Dallas, and so he built a crate. He got in the crate and mailed himself to his parents. And, uh, and he, he made it. He made it all the way to Dallas, it, this, which amazes me. He made it all the way to Dallas. And as he was being delivered, the delivery guy sees um, this guy up through the slat, sees a person. And so he calls the police and and so the police show up and they open it up and you know they're surprised to find this guy in there. And uh, then he was ultimately arrested because he had warrants, so it didn't work out very well. <laughs> um, but uh, they asked him, why did you do this? And he said, because I've just really been without hope. And what he really expected is that um, in the transport, it, it would kill him, which is really, really sad. And there's many that deal with this type of season and it's difficult, but I want to remind you that we have a hope in Christ like none other. And that hope, even through our darkest moments and our difficult times, it can carry us and get us through. And the reality is this, is that desperation will drive us to do some unimaginable things. And when we get desperate in situations, either it will lead us towards rock bottom or it'll lead us to the breakthrough. And the only way to get to the breakthrough is through Jesus. Are you following me this morning? And so the first thing I want you to know when I'm looking at the Christmas story is that sometimes hope comes in unrecognizable packages. Sometimes hope comes in unrecognizable packages. When you least expect it, when the the night is darkest, when the answer hasn't been found, when you feel you're encircled by the enemy, I'm going to tell you, do not give up on 
hope. When you look through the scripture, I mean, really the birth of Jesus is, is the very first word given to us is in Genesis chapter three and verse 15. And it's after the fall of man, Adam and, Adam and Eve sinned and, and they're being kicked out of the garden and God is, 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 is telling that this curse is separation that's going to happen. But in that we read verse chapter three, verse 15, where there is going to be a, a battle that goes on between Satan and Jesus. And, and the very first prophecy about a savior is given. And then we read in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign, a virgin, and this is, we read the, about the fruition of this in Matthew, conceive and bear a son, call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah nine, six, probably one of my favorite Old Testament passages about the birth of Jesus. For to us, a child is born. A son is given, the government shall rest on his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These scriptures in Isaiah, this prophecy where it was being given 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And so, but the Jewish leaders, they knew about these prophecies. They knew there would be a birth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But their idea, their package in which he was going to come was entirely different than the way that he came. I, I don't know fully what they were expecting, but they were expecting this king to show up on the scene and to overthrow the Roman Empire and, and take his rightful rule and, and to rule Israel. But that's not what happened, is it? The Lord came in a way, in a package that no one expected being born into a cow's trough. Think about it. I mean, he came in a way that nobody thought he would come, but yet it fulfills all of scripture. And I love what Paul says. You know, Paul, Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, I wanna read this passage in just a moment. But there, there's so many that, uh, you know, I, I was reading this thing this, this week about, you know, if God, if, if God's all powerful, then could God create a rock that he couldn't lift? You know, and there, there's all these kind of discussions and questions happening. And, uh, and really, even to that question, that where they're trying to stump us as believers, we see the answer in Philippians chapter two, because it tells us though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Indeed, he gave up his divine privileges and the, he took on the humble position as a slave and being born as a human being. We believe Jesus is, was 100% God and was 100% man when he was born and he walked this earth before his crucifixion. And he, the Bible says when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And so Jesus, there's this choice that is made where he, he and even though he's 100% God, becoming 100% human, he, he gave up some of maybe his divinity. That's, I, I wish I could describe that just a little bit better, but the reality is this, is that he came to save the world from its sins, to save his people from their sins. And the only way that he could do that was to become in human nature. 
And it gives us a whole, Jesus came in a way that no one expected. He taught things no one expected or to teach and with the power and authority that he did. And he did things with, through miracles that no one ever expected. And I'm going to tell you that maybe if you're contending with a lack of hope, you're looking for hope in the wrong place. Because hope doesn't look like what you thought it might look like. This week, matter of fact, Thursday, I got word that a, a friend um, passed away. He had been battling pancreatic cancer. Uh, his name was Rick Beatonbow, and some of you may recognize that name. They have a housing development there in, in north of town and in Midland, and they're based out of Lubbock, and they have places in Amarillo. And I, I love the story of the family. His dad, Ron, years ago, I started a built home building company, and um, the Lord spoke to him. And said that he wanted Ron to give the profits of this company to missions work, to ministries, to fund ministry. And for many reasons, it, it didn't, you know, he, he, he didn't totally step into that and, and really had a, a lot of battle with the Lord and, and, and was trying to walk out on obedience but didn't know how a lot, a lot of factors and here comes along his son, and he wants to restart the company, Rick. And so they restart Beaten Bow Homes and start building homes. And the Lord speaks to Rick and says, I, I want to use Beaten Bow Homes to fund ministry. And so he started talking to his dad about it. And his dad said, well, I can tell you whatever you do, do it. And so they figured out a way. And they, that company over the years has funded millions to ministry. It's a really amazing story. But Rick really taught me so much about faith and, and uh, how to walk in faith. And, and so us ourselves, as we were doing Youth Alive, we went to this foundation for a grant. Many of you know we were home missionaries for years and traveling and, and for ministry to the junior highs and high schools. And uh, we really were in a place of desperation. Anybody ever been in a place of a desperation? I mean, it's like we weren't, we weren't living month to month. We were kind of living hour by hour. Does anybody know what that's like? I mean, I mean it really was. It, it, it was to that point. And so we went to them for, um, and we believed in what we were doing. God was doing amazing things. And so we did our whole presentation and our hopes were high and thinking God was going to, you know, come through in this avenue. And then they send word to me after our meeting and our grant meeting and this meeting we had to them that they decided not to support our ministry. And I mean, I just remember what it is. That's almost, that's like being kicked in the gut because, I mean, we really had a whole lot of hope that was going to come be, be a source of provision for us. But I spent the year just getting to know Rick and, and hanging around the company and, and, and ministries that they were doing. And it was really a, a special year. And it came around in the next year. And so we applied again. He told me, he's like, you know what, you really need to apply again. And so we applied again, you know, for this grant. And I get to the grant meeting, and what they did, there was like four other ministries that were there, and you all kind of presented and had this banquet, and then they kind of let you know a few days later. And so we have this banquet, but one of the guys that I, that's, that's the ministry represented was a man by the name of Greg Steer. Anybody ever, ever heard of Greg Steer? Greg Steer is the founder of Dare to Share Ministries, which is a national ministry. Like he does youth conferences and 20,000 students show up type of thing. I mean, this guy, he's known all over the world, has a, a, just an amazing movement, and he's very charismatic. And so I'm in this meeting with him, and so you can already know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, if they're only gonna give to one youth ministry, it sure ain't gonna be mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be this guy, you know. And so, matter of fact, he was going for funding because he was going to do a campaign of youth conferences across the nation. And that if students had, had friends that were not saved, they could come to the conference for free. And so Beaton Mahomes was providing the funds for them to be able to do that. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so when we do our presentation, and even actually, I, I mean, I went out and hung out with Greg Steer and just to pick his brain. And so it was... And at that time in our life, we have moved from like desperate from not month to month and hour to hour, but it was, I mean, it was almost like minute to moment, to, you know, just looking for breakthroughs. And then I got word, I'll never forget it when I, I got that letter in the mail that uh, we didn't get what we asked for, but it, they awarded us our grant to be able to continue doing what we were doing. And I just remember this, that life being breathed into us. And so over the next three years, Beaton Bohms actually supported us almost $150,000 for three years to do the ministry of Youth Alive to junior highs and high schools and has partnered with us. And, and, and Rick taught me so much about faith, but here's what I also learned is that, you know what, when you are facing the darkest of moments, the hardest of moments, the storms that are raging, and you think there is no answer, I would just want to tell you and encourage you, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. You don't know how God might step in. You don't know how God might step in and answer. You don't know how God might step in and deliver. There are times where we come to the place where we think all hope is lost. And I want to tell you, as long as we have Jesus at the right hand of the Father, which he will always be, there is hope. There is hope. And so hope may come not in a package that you recognize, but there's also this. Hope has to withstand the practical. Hope has to withstand the practical. Maybe another way I could describe that is sometimes hope has to withstand the facts. But the reality is, here's an angel telling Mary, hey, listen, you're about to have a son that's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. I mean, we get the benefit of the unraveling of Scripture through all of these years. But just kind of put yourself in Mary and Joseph's place in that moment. It might be a little more difficult to hear. I mean, would, would you think? And so here's Moses, and I, like I said, I, Moses, or here's Joseph. Well, that's a little off. Um, here's Joseph, and, and the scripture says that he was a righteous man. And yet he's hearing this from Mary. And the Bible says he decided that he's going to put her, you know, put her off quietly and, and break this off. And then, but the Lord steps in and says, hey, Joseph, listen, this is all my doing. And because I believe Joseph was open to the word of the Lord to him is because he was a righteous man. Are you following me? And so listen, there are times that God, I mean, if God, if our God is a God that can make axe head, I mean, the fact is, when you put an axe head, I know some of you may not know this story, but it's an Old Testament story where an axe head floats. But I mean, you know, if you drop an axe in the water, what is it going to do? It's going to sink. 
Or, or you think about Jesus and, and telling Peter to go fishing. I mean, when I catch a fish, the last thing I expect to be in that fish's mouth is a coin. But yet our God does the impossible all the time. And there are times where all the facts are lining up and it's going to make you think, well, this is the way it's happening. This is the way all the facts are lined up. And so what's even the reason to hope? No, you got to keep on hoping. You can't give up because when you hope, God steps in and does the impossible. And there's always a process, it seems to me. There's always a process that we receive a promise, right? We get the promise that God promises something. But, and, then, and then once we get that promise, it's the prayer we pray every single Sunday that we have to decide that our hearts be good soil. We want God to do in us what needs to be done that we can receive what he's doing. And so we decide, we make a decision, I'm gonna stand on this promise no matter what. So God gives a promise, we decide we're gonna stand on it. We're gonna we're going to appropriate by faith that promise. We're going to stand on that promise. And the moment you decide to stand on it, you know what happens is the, is the waiting game. Anybody ever been there? Is the delay. It's like we're, we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're praying, but God, you said this, right? God, you promised this. God, you said this is the promise you gave me. And sometimes we go in this, this like this delay period, this waiting period. And inevitably during that delayed time is when the enemy fights. I'm just trying to give you something practical this morning. Are you with me? I mean, the enemy is going to try to rob you of the blessing before the blessing can happen. And in that moment of delay, if he can just get us to doubt, right? Just doubt just a little bit, to give up on that promise, to give up on that dream, to give up on what we've been holding on to. And it's in that moment you have to make a declaration that says, enemy, devil, circumstance, whatever it is, you're going to stand on the promise no matter what the facts say. No matter what physics says, no matter what the doctor says, come on somebody, no, no matter what, what the scenario looks like around you, you are going to stand on what God promises you because the Bible says that God will accomplish what his word is sent out to do. And so we keep hoping, but hoping always begins with a promise, always begins with a promise. That verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that was the introduction of the promise of the gospel. And then we read scriptures in Micah and Isaiah and, and, the, and so many Old Testament prophets about the, the birth of Jesus, but it begins with the promise. It began with this, this angel speaking to Mary, this promise of about what was about to happen to Joseph. And, and God was working something else and uh, and and uh, uh, Elizabeth and a miracle happening there of her being far beyond being able to have a baby. But God says, no, you're no, Jesus is going to have a cousin and he's going to be a forerunner and he's going to make crooked ways straight. And so God is always begins with a promise. 
And it's so important that no matter what happens, no matter what we face, that we hold on to that promise. And so I am sure the scripture doesn't unravel it for us. It doesn't, the, the scripture doesn't tell us. But if Joseph was intending to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to marry you no more. I am sure that him and Mary had a conversation. Right? I'm sure you would think that the one that Mary could have gone to to tell anything would have been Joseph. I mean, that's, that, that, and just in my mind, I think if there's somebody you can tell what God's doing on the inside of you, it's the person closest to you. And yet she still held on to the promise. And what she knew was, is that God was doing something in Elizabeth. And she couldn't go where she wanted to go, but there was a place for her to go. I'm going to tell you that when God is doing something in you, he's probably doing something very similar in somebody else around you. And that's important to know. Why is that important to know? Because God's going to cultivate and bring people around you to bring to fruition to whatever it is he's doing on the inside of you. And he wants to birth something on the inside of you. And I love, you know, Romans chapter four, and so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, Mary's, did, did her heart sink? Was she, was she crushed? Was she disappointed? Was she defeated that moment that Joseph was going to separate from her? We see something a little about, about faith in Romans chapter four and verse 18. Even when there is no reason for hope. Okay, repeat after me. No reason for hope. No reason for hope. Have you ever felt like you were in that pit? No reason for hope. I mean, listen to the scripture is saying, even when there was no reason for hope, what did Abraham do? Kept hoping. There was no reason to hope, but he kept hoping. Don't, this could be a dangerous statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't let your hope be based on reason. I mean, sometimes we have to be reasonable walking out in obedience to the Lord. You know, I'm not saying like just be goofy and weird. But I am telling you, when we look at scripture here, that Abraham kept hoping when there was no reason for hope. Why? He, when Abraham got the promise that he was going to be the father of many nations, I mean, he was already in his 70s and then still rated until he was late in his 90s. And Sarah being in the same age, there was no reason to hope, but yet he still hoped. Believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. Listen, when God speaks it to you, no matter what the circumstance looks around you, know that God spoke it to you. And hope anyway. When you look at, you know, more literal translation says that Abraham hoped against hope. 
Hope, and that's an interesting way to say that. Hope against hope. But what it's saying here is that hope will cling to the mere possibility. And what gives that possibility is God and what God has promised and what God has said and what God is working. And if he has said it, he'll bring it to pass. But the last thing this morning is that hope is a person. Matthew 121, we read it. We read the scripture in Luke, but I want us to look at Matthew 121. In Matthew 1, 23, and it says, And she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Same thing we read in Luke. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. We read this in, out of Isaiah. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. Jesus is the one that brings the hope. It's him. And I, you know, there's a lot of things that I can hope in. And, 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 and some of those things are good things. Some of those things are, 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 are solid things, but there is nothing there is nothing like putting all of my hope and trust in Jesus. And so just process with me just for a moment. His name is going to be called Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save people from their sins. I mean, that's where hope begins. I mean, when it says saves, that's a, that's a Greek word called sozo. And that's a, it's a very interesting word, that word saves, that comes from sozo. And there's a lot of people that said a lot of things, and I think maybe a lot of people that make it, you know, a, a little more than what it should mean. But really, the basic meaning is this: what sozo means is to rescue from great peril. I mean, if we were really looking at a simple definition, that's what it means: to rescue from great peril. Listen, I think sometimes as believers we start to put our hope in the wrong things. When the reality is this, right? I, I love the way Ray Comfort, you, may, you know what Ray Comfort is? Ray Comfort, he, you know, if you've ever been, couldn't sleep at night and watch the infomercial way of the master, that's Ray Comfort. But he, he has a powerful sermon from back in the day called Hell's Best Kit Secret, Secret, powerful sermon. But he describes, he describes salvation like this in the, in, but, kind of the where we are in American culture. He's like, imagine yourself in an airplane. You know, you're flying along. I mean, I've, I've, I've flown a lot, literally all around the world. And, and he said, imagine yourself in an air, you're flying in this airplane. You know, you're, you're up in there in the clouds, you're flying. And all of a sudden, all, all your engines go out. No more engines. Well, you're, you're not going to stay in the sky, are you? What's going to happen? You're, you're, you're on your way to a crash. And so the, the pilot gets on the, um, the intercom and says, hey, listen, um, you might want to make things right with God or whatever you need to do. He's like, but there's, there's no hope for us to, to survive this. He's like, but just in case... We have some parachutes, and we're going to pass out these parachutes, and you can grab a parachute, you know, and, and you can jump out the airplane. 
And so they start passing out these parachutes and they're basic parachutes, they're, they're, they're black, you know, nothing really significant about them. And so as they're passing out these parachutes, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna grab a parachute. But there might be some people on that plane that says, you know what, black's just really not my color. I, I want, I need a, I need a taupe parachute with purple polka dots. I don't even know what color taupe is. Is that even a color? And so we're like, no, I want, I want, I want a red parachute. Listen, don't get your eyes on the wrong thing. The grace of God is all that we need. And I know, listen, I know sometimes when we're in our darkest moments, that's, that we're like, shouldn't there be more? The reality is this, is all we really need is a savior. And that's who Jesus is. And he came to save us from our sins. And if that's all he does, that is enough. That's enough. So take the parachute, right? Just take the parachute. He's provided the avenue of grace and he has saved us, he saves us from our sins, but God never stops there. Is that all we need? Yes, it's all we need. Do we need anything else? No, we don't need anything else. But God always does more. He never leaves it there. He never leaves it there. And so he will protect. He will deliver. He will heal. He will make whole. That's why he's given us all these promises that we can stand on. That you may be here this morning and you need to know that our God is the Lord God that heals. You may be here this morning and you need to know that our God is the God that binds up the brokenhearted. You may be here this morning and need to know that God is close to those who are crushed in spirit. You may be here this morning and need to know that our God is the Lord God, our provider. You may be here this morning and you need to know that our God is the God that lifts you up out of the miry clay. You may be here this morning and need to know that our God is a God that of all comfort and peace and will give you joy and hope and love and do this work inside of you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor is it in the heart of men's the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but he'll reveal it to us by his spirit. God always does more. God always does more. And so wherever you are, I want you to know that Jesus will preserve you and rescue you, always, always. Would you stand with me this morning? I love that, Romans four, hope against hope. Hope is, is holding on to the mere possibility. And maybe you're here this morning and you've You've been close to giving up the holding on. And whatever, whatever that might be. 
Maybe it's something you're facing, you're going through. Maybe it's a situation at home. Maybe it's a job. Maybe, maybe it's lost prodigal children. Maybe it's, I mean, just, I, you know, what I believe is, is whatever that it is. And I, I love how Mary, you know, and this angel, you know, she's, he's speaking to her. And she, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to, I, I do, I, I try to put myself in her shoes and, and an angel. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.